So we're starting this new sermon series this morning entitled, When Things Don't Go According to Plan. Can anybody relate to that? Anybody? Anybody? So during this series, we're going to talk about a lot of things that I think we struggle with just on a pretty regular basis. And, and, and my hope is, is that as we go through each one, you'll learn how to, to draw on God more and more and more to find peace in this area, right? To, to find hope, to find joy, to find healthiness instead of what we tend to do when we get frustrated, okay? And so we're going to talk today briefly, actually, actually we're going to talk in depth about this whole idea of developing more patience into our lives. Anybody need more patience in your life? Now, I want to start off this morning just by saying this. The rule is you never pray for patience. There's going to be some things that we're going to pray for today, but, but don't pray for patience because God will give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. So we don't want to pray for that. But the Bible does say this in Proverbs 16, 32. It says this, it is better to be patient than powerful. It is better to win control over yourselves than over whole cities. Saw a card the other day that read this way, a man without patience is like a car without brakes. I like that, right? Because when you don't have patience, you're just out of control, right? Your emotions are out of control. Your mouth's out of control. Some of the things you do are out of control. I was sitting at McDonald's because I have a Diet Coke addiction. Anyway, and I was trying to get my Diet Coke, and it just wasn't moving fast enough, right? Because they decided to fill like $80 worth of drink orders in front of me, and instead of having her go around, I just sat there and sat there and sat there. And I, I, I got to the point where, and I know I'm a pastor, but I got to the point where I was thinking, I wonder if I just nudge this car in front of me if maybe they would, you know. But then there's like the car in front of them and the car in front of them, but I was just so frustrated and I didn't know what to do. It's in the midst of those times when you're frustrated that your thinking even gets a little warped, right? And hopefully you don't ever act on what you're thinking when you're frustrated, but the reality is it's a struggle. When you're out of patience, you're out of control. Proverbs 19 verse 2 says, impatience will get you into trouble, right? And so what exactly is the secret of learning patience? I'm going to give you the answer. Ready? It's this. The answer is you cooperate with God. Now, what is it in the world does it mean to cooperate with God? It means this. It means you have to realize that when it comes to patience, God has a part and you have a part. God's part is to allow the circumstances. Your part is to provide the right responses. God's part is to allow the events. Your part is to provide the right attitudes. When God wants to teach you patience, his part again is he allows all the situations in your life that give us opportunity, and our part is to provide the right reactions. Now, I know as you're listening, you're thinking God's got the easy part. I want to give you perspective on this. Whenever God allows something into your life, he puts boundaries on it. Because he doesn't want anything to enter into your life that would necessarily cause you to fail, right? So whatever he gives you, he gives you the strength, the power to endure up under it, to actually find a way forward with God strengthening you to get to the other side. He never, ever, ever sets you up to fail. We will be blown away when we get to heaven and we look at all the things that God had protected us from. There are some sins that would cause you to sin and, I mean, you would just succumb in a second. God doesn't allow those in your life. You'd be amazed at what God protects us from on a regular basis. And so God has a part, and he does allow some things through. In, in this message today, we're talking about patience, and, and in this, he's allowing things through to develop our patience, right? So what does he allow through? He actually allows through a bunch of things. Again, don't pray for patience, because these things, as we go through them, we're going to see they just happen all the time. We have plenty of opportunity to work on our patience. The first thing he allows is interruptions. How many of you guys like to be interrupted? Ever, ever, No. Have you ever sat down to dinner and the phone rings? Have you ever been in the bathroom or maybe taking a shower or whatever and the door knocks? 
Have you ever been working on a deadline and a visitor shows up unexpected, unexpectedly? Have you ever been at work and had so many interruptions during the day, at the end of the day, you just look back and said, I don't know if I did a thing today. If you've ever felt like this, you know what it is to be struggling with interruptions. And I ask that because there's opportunities over and over for patience. Brahms, the guy who wrote the famous lullaby, Rockabye Baby, actually took him seven years to finish that one lullaby because of interruptions. Even Jesus had to deal with interruptions. One day the children were coming to him, right? And he was busy, and he had had a busy day, and he was worn out from preaching, and he probably had stuff he wanted to accomplish, things that he wanted to do. And the disciples knew this. I mean, they saw how stressed out he was. And so they said to the kids, get away from him. He doesn't have time for you today. Go, go, go play. Go do something. Just leave the poor guy alone. And Jesus said to them, and this is a little bit of a paraphrase, right? But he says, disciples, you've got to chill out just a little bit. Let the children come to me. But can you picture that? Have you ever been so stressed? And people in your family, maybe your, your spouse knew you were stressed and they were just trying to keep the kids away or whatever, took all the phone calls so just, you could just kind of do your thing. And yet Jesus, in the midst of being that stressed and, and just had all this stuff going on, he says, oh, no, 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 no. I've got time for the kids, right? I got time to hang out with the most important thing that God sent me to do is hang out with the kids, hang out with the people. You're his kids. He loves you so much. And can you think about the perspective that he must have had and the love that he has for you and for those kids that day that he always makes time for us? That's a huge teaching in the Bible, and you need to know this, that God always has time for you, always. That you never annoy him, that you... He's constantly concerned about what's going on in your life, what's going on in your head, what you're struggling, what your hopes are, what your dreams are. He cries when you cry. He's, he, he pains him when you're struggling. He cares so much about you. And no matter what's going on in the world, right, he always has time for you. And in that, there's a model for us. Should we ever be too busy for our kids? Just objectively, probably not. Should we ever be too busy for our spouse, for the people that God has placed in our life that matter? If we're too busy, then maybe we're doing it wrong, right? So Jesus says, hey, look, I get that there's interruptions, but there's a different way. A pastor once said this, he says, I used to bemoan all the interruptions in my ministry until one day I realized that was my ministry, right? So God allows interruptions in our life to test us, to grow us, all those different things. He also allows irritations and inconveniences. A good example of this is the Mary and Martha story that James read. Remember the story Martha got mad at Mary because she wasn't helping out, right? Jesus came, Martha greeted her. You notice that in the text? Then she was the one getting everything ready, right? Went to the barbecue, started putting everything on, getting all the tables set up. I mean, there was a ton of people. She was getting it all ready. And Mary, what was she doing? Sitting down at Jesus' feet doing nothing, right? She's doing the whole thing. She's frustrated. She's so frustrated. She goes to Jesus, I hope during a break or whatever, but she, she goes and she says, tell Mary to help me out, man. This is killing me. Why is she just getting to do nothing? Everybody get the frustration there? And what did Jesus say? Mary's doing the right thing. Do you think that frustrated her? <laughs> Absolutely, right? Okay, Lord, let me work through what you just told me right there. It's going to take me a moment. And I think that's true of us. Usually the things that irritate us the most are when people are not fulfilling what we consider their fair share of the responsibility. I think Americans, is particularly, we stink at this. We stink at inconveniences just in general. Chrysler did a study one time and discovered that the number one gripe of American consumers today is inconvenience. 
We don't like to be inconvenienced. We like everything to go smoothly. And when they don't, we get frustrated. Think auto repair. Think traffic jam. Think waiting for someone for over an hour. Think your husband just called and told you he already invited some people over for dinner tonight. And it's 3 o'clock. We don't like to be inconvenienced at all. He also allows inactivity. Why? Because it takes time to develop patience. There's a sign one time that says, patience carries a lot of weight. Get it? Weight? <laughs> anyway, it's my fume. <laughs> Thanks for chuckling there. That's, that's really important to me. Um, but the reality is it's frustrating because we don't like to wait. We don't like to wait at all. Most Americans would rather do anything but wait. We don't know how to sit still, to be honest. We're geared for life in the fast lane. I came across this the other day. It's just... It, it just is a wonderful picture of how we often look at life, how we often deal with life. But there's a lot of action verbs that we use to describe the typical day. You leapt out of bed. You zipped in and out of the shower. You bolted down your breakfast, gulped down your coffee, rushed off to work. You run through your schedule in a staff meeting. Your boss tells you to hustle on that sale, get it in gear regarding those changes you were supposed to make. Step on it in completing that project and scramble to close the deal. His closing words to you are, get the lead out of your pants. So you dash to lunch where you wolf down a sandwich, hurry back to the office where you rip up some letter, or rip through some letters, whip through a stack of return phone calls and get cracking on those assignments that you intended to wrap up before you leave. At five, you hot-footed out of there and race home to dinner in rush hour traffic. Finally, you dart in the front door and literally just drop dead, right? The reality is that describes way too many of our days. We get so consumed in the busyness of it all that we forget to take a breath. And anytime anything kind of throws a wrench in the speed of which we need to accomplish what we think we need to accomplish, and all of a sudden we're set off, and all of a sudden we're frustrated, and all of a sudden we're mad, we don't know how to do what Jesus did and just take a step back and value most important things. But that's where he says we need to get. We need to get to that place where people matter more, where he matters most, where all the other stuff is just stuff we get to do as we're passing through life. It so often becomes our all-consuming thing. I think the problem is, is obviously we weren't made to live this kind of lifestyle. It's not the way he designed us. God never meant for you to live a hurry and worry life. So he has, even in these modern days, created some things to teach us patience, like traffic jams and the lines at the DMV, waiting in doctor's offices. I read you'll spend six months of your life waiting at red lights. There's a red light by my house that I'm sure is extending that period of time in my life. So how do you wait? How do you handle it? Do you get frustrated? Does it set you on edge? Have you ever watched people wait for an elevator, whether they're in the elevator or outside the elevator? It's just kind of, you learn a lot about human nature as you watch these people. And there's nobody that stands still. I just invite you the next time you're at an elevator or in an elevator. Nobody stands still. You got the bouncers that kind of just go like this as they're waiting. You got the rockers that rock back and forth as they're waiting. You got the people that push buttons like somehow that's going to make the elevator go faster. But there's a strategy to it, I guess. I don't know. But nobody stands still because we don't know how to simply sit still. Every once in a while in our first service, there's a little bit of a time lag between when we finish and when the organist starts up, and it's, it's just utter silence. And it's almost unnerving because we're not used to silence. We're used to somebody filling the vacuum, somebody filling the airwaves, somebody talking. Usually it's me. But the reality is we're used to that. And when it's just silent, even if it's for five seconds, it seems like, oh, that's too long. So we don't wait patiently. Nobody stands in front of an elevator patiently. So how do you learn to deal with patience? 
when God provides these wonderful opportunities into your life. The irritations, the inconveniences, the interruptions, the inactivity. And God, again, he says, well, that's my job to provide these things. Your job is to provide the right attitude. So while I said you should never, ever pray for patience, you should absolutely pray for the things I'm going to talk about next. We're always going to have these opportunities come into our life. God says, these are the things that you need to practice if you want to have more patience in your life. And the first thing he shares with us from Scripture is this. We need to develop a bigger perspective than just us, right? You've got to learn to see points of view that aren't your own, right? If you look at it from a larger viewpoint, a guy cuts you off in traffic and you're incensed and you're enraged. They almost killed me. And then you look through the window and you see this gal panting and she looks like she's pregnant. Maybe they're on the way to the hospital. And in that moment, you go from rage to Oh man, I hope they make it. I hope she's okay. I hope everything goes well. You know, you go from fury to all of a sudden compassion. Why? Because you had a different perspective enter into the scene. Proverbs 19.11 says, A man's wisdom gives him patience. That wisdom gives him perspective. It is his glory to overlook an offense. What helps you ever overlook an offense? A different perspective. And so wisdom gives you patience so you don't get uptight with the irritations and inconveniences that kind of flow into our life. Because here's the deal, when you or I are impatient, really all we're thinking about in that moment is ourselves, aren't we? To be honest, I couldn't care less about the clerk who got my order wrong, what she's going on, going on with her life or what's going on with her day. I'm just ticked off she got my order wrong. All I'm thinking about is my time and my needs and my schedule and my hurts. I'm not thinking about her at all. I'm just thinking about me. In that vein, James asked you all to come up with your favorite pet peeve, or at least favorite pet peeve, however that works, right? Came up with a list of mine. Getting bumped from an airline due to overbooking, and do not like that. Clutter, don't like that. Fast food clerks that don't understand English, that's really hard for me because it takes me forever to order my Diet Coke then. That's my happy drink, that's what my family calls it, so it does something. Um, Stores that don't open until 10 o'clock, right, because I got stuff to do and and they're not open. When my wife doesn't reset the seat after she drives my car, she's a much smaller woman, it kills every time I get in. When my daughters keep the lights on, I don't like that. When people text while they're sitting at a stoplight, because what happens? It turns green, and they're still what? They're still texting. It drives me crazy. But when you're thinking about all your pet peeves, hopefully they're not as dysfunctional as mine, most of the time, all you're doing is what? Looking at yourself. What's it doing for me? How is it affecting me? So the first thing you need to do if you're going to be patient is you need to look at things from a bigger perspective. The secret of being then a successful partner to your mate is learning to see things from their perspective. The secret of being a great parent is to learn to see things from your kid's perspective. The secret of being a successful businessman or businesswoman is to see things from your client or your customer's point of view. The secret of being a successful employer is to begin to see things from your employee's point of view. The point is patience starts with wisdom, which gives us perspective. Wisdom is seeing life from God's point of view. And do you think God sees that that woman was pregnant in the car that almost cut you off? Do you think he sees what's going on in the life of everybody that's struggling and treating you poorly or whatever is causing conflict or irritation in your life? Absolutely. That's why he's so patient, I guess. But if you want to be patient, you've got to see things from a bigger, a more godly perspective. Because wisdom lets you know that you're not going to die, your life's not going to end because of this minor irritation or inconvenience that you're going through. 
Scripture also gives us some other stuff too. The next one is this. I want you to learn to develop a sense of humor, God says. You need to learn to laugh at the circumstances in your life and maybe especially in our culture today, learn to laugh at yourself just a little bit. You need to find the fun and frustration. In Proverbs 14, verse 30, it says, a relaxed attitude lengthens a man's life. Humor is a tension dissolver, in other words. It's an antidote for anxiety. Studies have shown that the people who laugh actually live longer. It's kind of a, a shock absorber for life, if you will. Abraham Lincoln once said that he would have never made it through the Civil War if he couldn't have handled the daily stresses with laughter. And so the Bible teaches that if you can laugh at it, you can live with it. You just need to learn to laugh at the things that irritate you. Because if you can laugh at the troubles of your life, you're pretty much always going to be laughing, right? So we are at a swim meet this weekend. All my daughters swim. We're going to be swim at a swim meet the next four weekends, to be honest. But, but, so I get really into the swimming. I, I know I shouldn't, as a good dad, I should just be neutral go, oh, good job, that was great. But I get really into it. I'm screaming, and, and I'm pretty much the only one doing that. But the reality is I, I was timing because it was a 1650, which is the longest, most boring swim that you can do. But my daughter's really good at it. So there I'm in. I'm, I'm timing, but I'm yelling at her to turn. And so I kind of lost track of the laps just a little bit. And so she's coming home, and she's finishing, and I don't hit the stopwatch, which is like literally my only job okay and, and then I'm convinced there's one more lap so I'm saying go 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 and so she starts going and then I realize you know that was it so I'm calling her back and so she's embarrassed right because things still embarrass her at that age and so she's like petrified she comes out she is not happy with her dad my wife who's standing next to me t timing good thing she hit the other one uh, she's not happy with me because she's already annoyed that I was yelling so much nobody's happy with me we go back to the tent they're all yelling at me and all of a sudden my wife pipes up and says you know what I'm glad this happened Everybody's like, why? Because now dad can't yell at us if he, we do anything this that stupid, right? You know, and everybody started laughing. It was a, a decompressing moment, right? Thank goodness for me because, you know, everybody blows it. You blow it, I blow it. It's a part of life, isn't it? Nobody's perfect. You're going to make mistakes. Other people are going to make mistakes. We all have to learn to deal with it. And if you can learn to laugh at it just a little bit, it gives you a way forward. It, 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 it takes out the intensity of whatever situation is and it allows forgiveness in and it allows love back in and it allows joy back in, all those different things, which just points us me to the next one that God gives us. We need to learn to deepen our love. You hear me say from time to time, Scripture says, Paul says to Timothy, at the end, in the end times, the love of many will grow cold. Do you get that sense that that's happening today? The amount of care that you have for your neighbor probably isn't very great. The amount of care that you have for just the, the random strangers that you meet, probably not great. In fact, if I were to ask you, who do you truly love and put it in this box, and that's people you'd be inconvenienced for, people that you put priority, you know, give them priority, you care more about their stuff than your own, you know, you truly love the way the scriptures talk about, who would be in that, that box? Probably just us. Maybe we put our family in there. If moms always put their kids in there, right, just by function of their neediness, right? We, we put the kids in there because it's our job to care for them and it's our job to love them, and so we do. I don't know if our spouses always make it in there. They should, right? Our friends probably should be in there. I don't know if they are. It's an interesting thing if we're really honest and there's so much self-hate in our culture, sometimes we're not even in the box of people that we truly care about. But God calls us, no matter how many people are in there, to put more people in, to start truly investing, to tell, start truly caring about the people that are in our life. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4. We read it at weddings. It says, love is patient. That's the very first part of that section of, 
of 1 Corinthians 13, a whole definition of what love is. We, we give it to people that are just getting married because, to be honest, they have no clue what they're getting into and just sharing some helpful thing on what love is actually looks like is helpful as they begin their journey. But it says love is patient. What that means is that when I'm impatient, I'm usually not being very loving. Because when you love somebody, you're focused on their needs and helping them, right? That's where your care is. When you're filled with love, then you don't usually get upset or annoyed with them very often. But when you're not filled with love, when you're filled with anger, you get annoyed at almost everything. And so it's what's inside you that really makes the difference. And patience says way more about us than it does the other, other person always. So you need to say, Lord, help me love that person more. Help me get a perspective of that person that just cut me off. Maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe they're struggling with something in their life. Clearly, they're not paying attention. Something must be going on. Help me care about that employee that's struggling in their marriage and maybe give them a little bit of slack, not a lot, but a little bit of slack as they go about their duties and maybe I'm picking up more than I normally would because they're just clearly out of it. It's just raging war upon that person's mind. Help us get a perspective. Help us get a care for actually the people that are around us. And if you pray, you pray, help me love that person this week. You know, that person that's heavenly sandpaper, that person that just continues to annoy you. Help me love that person more this week. Help me understand them more. Help me get a bigger perspective of what's going on in their life. Help me have a better sense of humor about it. Help me love them, Lord, because they're killing me right now. And when you do these things, you'll find it easier to be patient. And then God wraps it up with one last thing. Depend on Jesus' power. In Colossians 1, verse 11, it says, May he strengthen you in his glorious might with ample power to meet whatever comes with fortitude, patience, and joy. So you can pray this prayer too, that Christ will strengthen you with his glorious might and give you, what, with his power, fortitude, patience, and joy. He's saying that patience is not merely a matter of human will, right? Because... Sometimes people just take us off, and it's hard. Even though we're trying, it's hard to love them. It's hard to have a greater perspective because everything they're doing is just frustrating at that moment. But with God's power, he says you can have a fortitude, a patience, and joy. He started asking, why would I spend an entire Sunday morning talking about this stuff? Because patience is really a form of faith. It's an evidence of our faith in Jesus. It reveals our faith. In fact, in the Bible, it's filled with examples of people God had wait. Noah waited 120 years before the boat started floating, right? Because it hadn't started raining yet. Uh, Abraham waited 90 years before the sun was given to him that was promised. Moses waited 40 years in the wilderness until the people finally got their act right. All of God's great saints had to go through a school of waiting at some point. And so it just makes sense that probably we do too. Why then did I spend a whole Sunday morning talking about patience? Because the reality is, is I don't care what you say on Sunday morning about being a Christian, a believer, of loving God. The acid test of your faith is how do you handle the irritations and the inconveniences and the interruptions and the inactivities of life Monday through Friday? Because that's where the rubber hits the road. And I tell you what, those irritations, those moments, like they reveal what's going on inside of you. They reveal your attitudes. They, they, they show who's in control of your life. And let's face it, sometimes God's just not. We're just winging it out there, and we're doing a horrible job. Somebody said uh, our faith walk is kind of like tea bags, right? You don't know what's inside until it's under pressure, until it's in hot water. Are you showing Jesus in those moments? It reveals your heart for Jesus 
in those moments, your hope that you have in heaven in those moments, the joy that you've been forgiven because if you're not forgiving somebody else, you've forgotten how much he's forgiven you, the amazement at his grace and continually washing you over again and again with the words, I forgive you, the strength that he provides and your understanding that he's providing the strength that you need to deal with situations in your life. And in the end, when you look at all those things, isn't that what being a disciple is all about? It's about clinging to his forgiveness to his love, to his strength, to the hope that we have in the hard moments of life. Because let's face it, life is hard. It's not always easy. If you get those easy, good moments, rejoice in them because it's just coming around the corner where you got another hard moment of life. But God is good. And we need to remember that he's good. And we need to remember that he's got us on this journey. And we need to remember that we can't blow it so far that he can't forgive us. The reality, he is always there nurturing us, forgiving us, strengthening us. And he just says, be a witness. Share with people that that's what's actually going on inside of you so they can see it too. Help them know me by the way you deal with your frustrations in life. Help them see me by the grace and the forgiveness you give to people in those moments where otherwise you'd be stressed out and frustrated. Help them see who Jesus is. And that's my prayer for you guys today. We pray that in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Let me pray. God, we love you so much, and I love this series. We're going to take a look at a lot of things that we just struggle with. It's part of when things don't go according to plan. And Father, I pray today that you would just help us again see Maybe why we struggle so much with this patience thing, it's because we make everything about us. And when everything's about us, it's easy for everything else to frustrate us so much. And so, Father, I pray today, give us the strength for that bigger perspective. Help us laugh at stuff more in life. Help us draw on your power so that we can love people more. Show more grace, more forgiveness as we walk through life. Help us, I guess, just inflow us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We need you so that we can do life differently so that we can show people more of your love and less of our hate, so that we can show people more of Jesus and less of us. Father, give us that strength. Be with us and remind us that you've got us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen.